All right, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Uh, my name is Rob St. Clair. That's Everett DeLorme. Welcome to the 9x9 Volleyball Show. It is Wednesday, April 6th. Uh, Everett's stressing because he just walked in back from work and then his computer didn't work. So uh, we're rolling with the punches a day later than usual. Thank you all for being flexible with us. This is the 81 square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet, despite the uh, despite some of the issues. But we've got a lot to get over, Everett. Uh, welcome back, buddy. How is everything right now? A little Thank stressed? Thank you. Um... <laughs> Uh, you know, just just a little bit. Um, I see uh, tuning in to see if Everett can solve his technical difficulties. No, I haven't. Uh, actually, they're getting worse for some uh, some reason. I was supposed to work three hours today. Ended up working ten. Just got home. Uh, then my computer wasn't working, so now we're on the laptop on AirPods. So I mean, hey, but we're here. We're we're, we're ready to go. Ready to, ready to talk some ball. Um, I'm told there was a golden set today, so yeah, let's 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 jump into it. Um, and I'm stoked. There's been a lot going on. We have have some Olympic news um, and and a few other things from volleyball world. So let's let's jump into it. Rob, as I, as I just mentioned, I've been uh, at work all day, have no knowledge of of what happened today in the volleyball world. So so catch me up a little bit. If if there's a golden set, like I, I need to know this. As well as a matter of fact, there was a golden set. Uh, sure enough, Fenerbahce forced a golden set against Vakov Bank at home. They swept them, Everett. Three sets wow. to none. 25-14. Three sets to none uh, to force a golden set. But unfortunately, uh, the upset, bit, uh, upset bid ended there where Vakov Bank was able to hold on in the golden set 15-11. to 11. This was madness. Uh, this was just an incredible match. Fenerbahce was, was just clearly, clearly the better team today until the golden set when the experience of Vakov Bank just showed up just a little bit more. I mean, since the last time we did a show, uh, we've had like this entire series has played out because the first leg was last Thursday. Where, where Vakabeng won at home three sets to one. So after that, the worst they could do is go to a golden set. Sure enough, Fenerbahce pushes them to the limit. Uh, looking at a couple numbers, I thought just based on the eye test that Melissa Vargas was tremendous. Yeah, sure enough, 24 for 48. So 50% kills, only eight errors. Not bad at all. Uh, let's see, Fedorovtseva's numbers, 14 for 33, only two errors. That's not bad at all, plus two aces. Uh, Maliha on the outside, negative efficiency. That's not as good, but that's not really her role. I thought the Ida Erdem was really good. Eight for 10 attacking plus two blocks. Amina Popovich had four blocks, so she contributed a little more than usual. I thought Nas set a phenomenal game. Um, the issue with Fenerbahce in the previous leg when they got beat by Vakovic on the road is that they couldn't pass the ball. Uh, but today they were significantly better, a 49% positive, 33% perfect, and which is about the same as where Vakovic was. And you've at least got to be about equal in that category to have a chance against that team. So Fenerbahce led, lent a ton of substance to my take that they were going to win this series. And they really almost did. They they forced a golden set, but unfortunately in the golden set, Vakovic was just, they, they were just incredible. They... They made, I think, no errors in the entire golden set. Let me double check that. But they were just, they were, they were perfect. They were pretty much perfect. Isabel Hawk, uh, 17 for 42, six errors. Definitely not her best game. Uh, but Gabi was awesome, uh, particularly in the golden set and, and later on because they definitely got stomped the first couple. 
Fenerbahce's block defense really had a good plan against them early on, and then their side-out offense was better than it was because of better serve receive. But Vakif Bank's Vakif Bank, and at the end of the day, they they were able to survive. It wasn't clean, but they did survive, and now we have the rematch, the third chapter in the last year or so of Vakif Bank versus Corneliano for the Champions League final. We saw Corneliano win the first last year in Champions League. Vakif Bank won the Club World Championships in the winter. And now the tiebreaker. So and this and this is this is the tiebreaker too before Agona goes to Vakif Bank. And right. as it's like the worst kept secret in volleyball right now that she's headed to Vakif Bank as Canigliano's already like signed Hawk for next year, right? So it's the end of this this rivalry altogether. All and I mean I'm sure it's gonna pick up, but regard if it picks up next year, it's it's under another form. So this totally. is this is gonna totally. be the 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 rubber series. Now, Rob, obviously you watched the game today. How confident are we that we're going to see Vakif Bank from last week instead of Vakif Bank from this week? Right, and that's a team that's that's kind of kind of gone gone up and down, right? Like, do we have confidence that against their their number one archest nemesis and their greatest opponent in the world, like, are, are they going to be able to be up that to that task? That is a great question and a, a very fair concern for the run that Vakif Bank has had in Champions League in the playoffs because you remember they lost that five-setter to Zhezhov. They had to respond in a pretty close four-setter. Uh, they really almost were forced their golden set there to advance. Then they they get like very thoroughly outplayed at Fenerbahce and have to rescue it in a golden set to advance again. It's not impossible that Corneliano, if if they're just the better prepared team and, and they are playing their best and Vakif Bank's not, that this match, this finals match that we've all been looking forward to, might not be even remotely as close as we all would like it to be. That is entirely dependent on if Vakif Bank can show up really, really ready to play. Now, they have a month like and that. a half. They have a month and a half to prepare for that. And I think all of all of the domestic league will be done by then. I think same with Italy. I think they will be ready to go in that match in Slovenia again. It's it's Sunday, May twenty second. It's so so ridiculously it's a, late. It's, it's crazy. It's a while from now. It's crazy. Absolutely. It's crazy. But, it's, it's so long from now. But it's not impossible I'm, that the Corneliano just thoroughly outplays them because they're better prepared and it's not close. But uh, Vakif Bank is Vakif Bank, so we'll see. But at the same time, like we've seen Corneliano struggle at. at times this year right oh, yeah. like both teams have have gone through these dips where we've kind of questioning them you know like are they actually going to be there like are, are, are they going to be be able to make it i mean both times they both times they've been able to answer the bell i mean i think if you're Canigliano, you're much preferring that yours happened earlier in the season right and that kind of dead zone where yeah sure good might say that the season doesn't start until january but by the time january february rolls around that's it's, a, it's been a long season for you already right so I, I think you're seeing two teams that have kind of like decided to take their peaks and valleys at, at the at, at different times. But I think you're exactly right. In a month and a half, what is this Vakif Bank team going to look like, and are they going to be able to, to come up against Canigliano? It'll be it'll be interesting to see after you know a month and a half of uh, of of National League playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. I think last year both teams really didn't have any valleys. Uh, both teams were pretty much untouched until the finals. Corneliano, in particular, this year there have been peaks and valleys to both of them. Uh, so th- it's going to make for I think even more interesting discussion of coming into the finals because we don't know where those peaks and valleys are going to meet up. 
where, well, last year they were both really playing at the top of their games, and that made it pretty fun too. But we've got well over a month to deliberate that. However, finally we got a golden set in Champions League today, which was just incredibly, incredibly fun. Huge credit to Fenerbahce, by the way. They really were the better team in the actual match itself. It was unfortunate that they couldn't quite keep that together in the golden set, at least for their sake, because of how well they earned the opportunity to have the golden set. They really were just so, so good earlier. Um, but it, it, sure enough, it is Valkafank that advances, and now we get the matchup that perhaps everybody wanted to see in the finals. So, uh, yeah, I think I mean, that... don't, don't, don't you think that see, like our friends back in Luxembourg at the CEV were not like sweating Uh-oh. in their boots <laughs> with, with Fenerbahce coming up? I mean, sure, Fenerbahce <laughs> is still... I mean, I'm not going to say it's the same fan base because you would never make that mistake of of mistaking, you know, Fenerbahce versus Vakufank, but it's two teams from Istanbul, right? It's the same, it's the same base base of fans more or less in in Turkey. So it kind, would kind of be the same, but it just doesn't have the same impact of what Kinyinya or Vakufank would be. Right. Yeah, I think the CV actually they're they're fist pumping for sure because they got an incredible match today. They got a golden set in the semis which is as good as like as electric of entertainment as you can ask for. But according to the CEV, I think the correct team won and sets up for a little bit more dramatic of a final. And uh, I think everybody wins in that case. So yeah. uh, speaking of Vakifbank's opponent in the finals, talking about Corneliano here, the Lega Volley Femenile regular season is over and Corneliano holds on and gets the number one seed overall. So we talked about this last week. It, it's, it was setting up for some drama this past weekend where the, the teams are going to play their last matches of the regular season. And because of that match last week that we talked about where Novara got swept by Scandici, Corneliano was in the driver's seat. All they had to do was beat a Bergamo team that was desperate to avoid relegation. And they did that. Uh, extra points in the second set, but Corneliano wins that match and they grab the number one seed in the playoffs. A bunch of other crazy results. Uh, Roma beats Volafolia in five, and they, they played for the second time in only three days. Uh, but as we'll get to in just a second, they needed three points, not two. Uh, Cuneo versus Busto Arcizio didn't end up mattering all that much. and But Perugia versus Casa Maggiore, which went 18 to 16 in the fifth, mattered tremendously. So check this out. We've got the, the final standings. Uh, you see, we've known the eight playoff teams. We've we've known the eight playoff teams in the Italian Women's League for a long time, but the seed matchups now are finalized. You've got Cuneliano versus Firenze. That's one versus eight. Uh, Novara, number two, versus Cuneo, number seven. Monza, number three, versus Chieri, number six. And then the banger that we're looking forward to, Scandici, number four, versus Busto, number five. So uh, that's it for the playoffs. That that's maybe a questionable one with the way that Busto is just limping into the playoffs right they now. Are. They're, Look, this they're isn't limping. this isn't the Busto of last year, and it's no. not even the Busto of December, right? No. Like it's right. it's 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 unfor- And I mean, like, hey, I'm going to be the first one to take the hit on that too, because you know I'm I'm pulling for Alexa Gray. Uh, she's been, been having a great season regardless, but there's just not enough around them, and unfortunately, I can't really consider them to be in the running of the, the, the top teams anymore. I don't think I they're going to come, unfortunately. Which is a shame because that series would have been awesome if everybody had been healthy, if Busto like, literally had a setter on the roster, which they're still scrambling like as of this very moment to find somebody to set that team. So, uh, But that's the playoffs. And then, unfortunately, Roma and Trentino are relegated. Okay. They miss it by one point. 
Roma had two opportunities against Volifolia in the last three days of the season to escape. They lost one in four. They lost. They won the other in five, and it was not enough. So Roma and Trentino, thanks for participating. Unfortunately, they'll be grab down. Grab a cookie on the way out. Grab a cookie on the way out. Unfortunately, they will be in the A2 division next year. Uh, Bergamo survives. And Casa Maggiore and Perugia had kind of a, a, not, I wouldn't say a comfortable cushion, but they had enough of a cushion to not be at tremendous risk that last day of the year. But uh, we all love relegation races, or at least Dan and I certainly do. We were talking about it last week. But you, that, you have a particular fetish for I really like it. I really like I, it. I really like it. I, I can't wait until they get to, we get just like some heavy relegation races in a few years in the VLA. And then just to see you frothing at the mouth. When you know we're going to be kicking, te- you're going to be kicking teams out of, out of tier one. I like it, man. I, I like the idea that if you're not good enough, you get punished for sucking. I think North American mm-hmm. sports could could use a lot more of that. And I think that it, it, like, I don't know. Sometimes in North America, when you're mathematically limited from the playoffs, you stop trying. And uh, if relegation's on the table, you can't do that. I think that makes it really fun. But yeah, that uh, imagine, that is it. Imagine the Lakers getting relegated in the NBA. Oh God! Right? Could you like, imagine. They, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not getting into the play-ins. They're they they're just getting destroyed. Um, they should have picked up our my former Toronto Raptor boy, Demar Derozan. He went he went to he went to, uh, to my Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Bulls instead. Exactly. You're you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and hey, now the Lakers are, are, are out of it. But uh, yeah, like imagine if the Lakers were getting relegated and there was relegation in the, in the NBA. That would be amazing. That would be NFL. That would be amazing. Could you imagine LeBron James getting relegated? Whew. Spicy. Having to play like having to play tier two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a man can dream. All right, so that that's really about it for uh, for the Italian regular season because well, it is over. Uh, the playoffs is starting very shortly. Speaking of playoffs in Italy, onto the men's side, we've got three of our semifinalists decided, and it is chalk. Uh, Perugia had absolutely no problem with Cisterna in the second leg; they swept them. Lube had no problem with Monza, but to Monza's tremendous credit, they took a set without Jurgi Groser. So uh, mm-hmm. big credit to them there, but unfortunately uh, uh, their worst possible injury at the worst time. Uh, Monza will now be playing for fifth place in Lube advances. But the two matches that I really want to talk about here are Modena versus Milano, because that was a five-set barn burner on Sunday. It was absolutely amazing, 15-13 in the fifth. And then, mm-hmm. so let's start there and move on to the one series that is still yet to be played because obviously that's got all the drama. So, uh, were you able to watch some of that Modena Milano? I, I actually, I actually watched both of those matches. Yes, I watched Modena Milano. I watched Piacenza um, versus uh, why am I blanking right Trentino. now? Uh, versus Trentino. Um, yeah, it, it it was great. I mean, Modena. Let's start there because are we going to see? this team like take things seriously right like what when are we gonna see it because it's man they just play on such a tight tight rope like like this one i I thought it was going to milano for for a few i really thought it was too i think they they had a couple huge opportunities there was one like mishandled free ball that was kind of a choke and then Mm -hmm. romano hit the ball out of bounds on match point but in the fifth, like Milano seemed like they really, really had a chance. They were, they were, they were pushing at the end there, right? And they just looked dangerous. And 
Romano like went on that serving run like late in the fifth, very reminiscent of the CEV, you know, champ your finals. Euro volley, yeah. Yeah. And Euro volley, yeah. And uh it, it it seemed almost destined to be for a second, but at the end of the day, uh Modena comes out. I mean, hey, let's the team want want to, to come out. But I, I wouldn't, wouldn't lie. I wouldn't have mind to see a fifth, a third game in, in that series. Yeah, it would have been fun. Uh, it would have been really fun. However, uh, Modena survives and advances. Check this out. 28 stuff blocks combined between the two teams. Yeah. big. It was a big, it was a big blocking game. 15 was, for Milano, 13 for Modena. Irvin Ingepeth was stuffed seven times, but he responded with five block points of his own. I'm Daddy Stankovic, my hero, with four. Uh, Mazzone with three. Uh, for Milano, uh, Leandro Mosca, who got the start over oh, the injured Bartholomew Yeze. Five. Like, come that's, on. That's an even more impressive thing. And, I mean, I, I, right, I realized it while I was watching the game, but I didn't think about it until now, the fact that Milano did that without Chinese. Without Chinese, like, yeah. So, it's... Yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if you really think about it, they, they lose this match in the fifth set by two points. You think Bartholomew Yeze doesn't make two points worth of difference? You know, to get I, a couple of blocks, and, think, you know, and then, and then is more of a factor in the offense because Mosca only had five attempts the entire yeah. match. I think that that's a huge game changer. So oh, I give a lot of credit to Milano for fighting this hard without one of the most important players. I know it's a middle, but I mean it's one of the best middles in the league. Thomas Jeschke, man, eighteen for thirty-three, only two errors total. Come it was, on. It was a- he had, dude. I've been loving watching JC this summer and this this season. And I mean, I've talked about it before. He's really come into his own, and that has really stepped into it. And I think a lot of people were expecting Ishikawa to be in that P one role, but JC has just brought the hammer this year. He's been passing well too. So yeah, good on him. Like I, I think in. Do you, do you think part of it has to do with the fact that Taylor Sander isn't around anymore? And he he's <laughs> like, do, 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 do you not think that kind of like leads into his psyche the fact that he has the ability to to be like I'm one of the top two outside hitters in the USA now. Like I should be starting for a team that should be going to the Olympics, and I'm a key role to that team. Like let's you know let LFG let's go, and uh, let's let's roll with it. Interesting take, and uh, uh, something that you and Dan said on the podcast on Friday that I loved and I never thought about is the the idea of maybe the USA pulling a Trentino and doing like a three outside hitter thing with uh, Jeschke and DeFalco and then Aaron Russell as like the outside opposite hybrid. I kind of love that, to be honest. So that, that that was an interesting idea that you guys had. But yeah, Jeschke, one thing that I'll say about him, because I've got, he's, he's my age, he's from Chicago. I've been playing against, I, pl- I played against him all through high school. Uh, what he's always done is always has had his sights set several years in the future and has always made the best move for his career. That includes leaving Loyola a year early to go overseas uh, to play in Rosovia because the timing worked out that he needed to make that move to give himself the best chance to make the Olympic team in 2016, and he did. Then after the injuries, he goes back to a bad Verona team just to get himself back into things. He makes the move to Milano and now has kind of reinvented his play style, maybe because of the landscape of the outside hitter spot on the national team now. I, I wouldn't be that surprised if, if he's got that in the back of his head. But he has played phenomenally well this year, and despite his team not making it past the quarterfinals, I think he deserves a ton of credit. Because, I mean, 55% kills and like just a fraction under 50% efficiency in a five-set do-or-die match when you're really the guy who's being called upon to hit high balls because uh, we know that 
like Patri just can't get set the ball in a position where he can succeed. That's an amazing performance for Thomas Jeske. So huge credit to him. Uh, Ishikawa, not a bad stat line, 15 for 29. Uh, Patri, 10 for 22 with five, it blocked five times. But I mean, Poro just can't figure out how to set the poor guy. But I mean, for- they're bringing in they're bringing in Romano, Romano, and he's he's getting the job done. You know, it, it makes me question like if they had gone to a game three, do you play Romano off the hop? Right, mostly Maybe. because him, him and Poro have that connection, right? And he's just able to yeah. he's able to set, I, I think he's able to set Romano better than his his Papi. I mean, no, no, no slight against Papi, but uh, I just think it's better. Well, with the world, the world may never know because that that third match in this series will never happen. But Moana will be playing for fifth, so their season's not over yet. That may not be that may be the case for this game, but that's not the case for the next game we're going to talk about. Now, Rob, I want to talk. I, I, I want to talk about mode, a, a couple Modena numbers first before I move on. All right, a couple Modena numbers, but like the big one, I think, is that we, we got to talk about your boy coming up. Oh, oh, yeah. Don't you worry. Uh, so. <laughs> For for Modena, uh, Daddy Stankovic, a Sterling, five for six with four blocks and an ace and no errors of any kind. I, I just just wanted to throw that out there because my hero is doing it again. Uh, Inga Pet, sixteen for thirty, blocked seven times. Uh, that's, I mean, he didn't hit, he hit zero balls out of bounds. That's nice, but he's got to figure out a way around the block. Uh, Namir only eleven for twenty five with six errors, far from his best performance. Although he did have three aces. Uh, Yoandi Leal, 20 for 33 with only four errors. He was Modena's best attacker in this one. Uh, and then M- Matsone was just kind of there, as he always is. Uh, Rossini didn't pass the ball as horribly as he has all season, so give him credit for that. Leal did pass the ball horribly. So uh, before we move on, Everett, do you, think Modena, do you think Modena has a chance against Perugia in the semifinals in a best-of-five match series? Yes. You do? Absolutely. Because the players they have. Right and like you, when you're you're telling me that Bruno and Angapeth and Namir are stoked to be taking on Leon and arguably the best team in the world, like that's what they signed up for. Sure, they'd rather be doing it in the finals, right? But now they have that conflict in front of them that's going to push them, right? Like every single guy on that team is known to have a big ego. Like <laughs> if we want to talk about ego, like egos of teams, like. Like poor Mazzone, you know, he just kind of floats around. But like in in terms of some of the like, you got some of the biggest names in the sport. The sport those are all five star guys. Like hands down, like if there's a volleyball games, those are all nineties. Okay, maybe he's not Stankovic anymore. Like he's How like dare a you? solid. He's like a solid eighty eight. <laughs> just because of the age, you know, he used to be like a 92, 93, but now he's he's at like an eighty eight because of his age, right? He gets he gets about sixty nine yeah. extra daddy points from me. It's, I love that it's man. Like, and it's like in the same way that yeah, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, but are you telling me that LeBron gets healthy and AD is healthy that you want to see them in the playoffs? Hell no, right? Because they have those guys who have who have that pedigree and 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 have that ability to turn it on, right? And but. Like that's the quite my question is though with as many guys hitting terribly as we've seen, how much of this falls on Bruno? Yeah, that's not a bad question. Uh, right, I, and really... like it, it seems almost blasphemous to say, like, how dare you pin any of this on Bruno? But like, 
Like we 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 might have to talk about Bruno. Well, there have been moments throughout the season when we've attributed a, a little bit of of Modena struggles to Bruno. So it's not like we're we're above that. But I'm really curious to see how they deal with a team that can serve the way Perugia can, because um, Milano was not nearly the the challenge in reception that Perugia will be, and that'll be very curious. But I think it's time to move on to the the like if if you didn't think 15-13 in the fifth to advance was a banger, fortunately we delivered you. 25-22 or 24-22 in the fifth. Rob, can you hear it? What's that? Is it Aaron Russell out of the clouds? They, they freed they freed Fat Rob. Yeah. They freed Fat Rob. <laughs> they they did. Finally, that stooped Piazza. Oh. How he ever won coach of the year last year is absolutely beyond me. This right? is, this is just, Bernardi we're talking about. Uh Piazza's oh, the, the, the Milano guy. But sorry, so, you're right, you're right, Bernard. Okay, well, like it's like dumb and dumber Tweedledee and Tweedledee over there. Like, <laughs> yeah, Bernardi, Bernardi is top on my stooge list this year. Without uh, without Heinen in the league, I think it goes oh, Bernardi, Stoichev, Piazza in that order. Yeah, okay, you're, you're definitely not wrong. All, All right, season so, long, we've, we've been talking long. about it. All season long, when are we going to see Aaron Russell? Maybe Aaron Russell's injured. Maybe he's not good anymore. What happens? He gets the start. 28 points. Oh, no, wait, 33 points. points. 64% kill percentage just absolutely goes off. Five aces, only four errors, 51 passing positive percent on like 37%, 30% perfect. The dude was an absolute monster. Oh my God. I cannot tell you how happy this made me to see Aaron Russell get that opportunity and capitalize the way he did. Oh my goodness. I mean, 28 for 44, five errors total. That's above 50% efficiency in five sets where it went 24, 22, and he was the best player on your team and everyone knew it. Five aces. This this is like World Cup 2015 MVP Aaron Russell. This is like Club World Championships with Trentino MVP Aaron Russell. Like that was that was a masterclass. He was OTing people down. On the line at multiple moments that just made me like throw my phone across the in and out burger in Arizona where I was watching this game. It was, <laughs> it, it was incredible. And now the rest of Piacenza played phenomenally well. Also like Francesco Riccini, 17 for 28. Very good. Toncheck Stern off the bench in the second 17 for 32 with only four errors. He was awesome. Uh, Antoine Brizard set a really good game. Eduardo Kaneski with the match ceiling stuff block on Matej Kaziski at 24-22 in the fifth. Like, Piacenza, man, maybe a little too too little too late, but the offseason that they had and, and some of the pieces they put together, maybe, just maybe, but finally too, showing too up. Too late. I, don't, I don't know. Like, they might be turning on right at the perfect time. I think Guizal said a fantastic game. He maybe did. one of the best awesome. we've seen, seen from him all season. You're right, Ricine looked fantastic. Like, it was so good. Every single piece piece of it. They had seven, like, 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 thirteen aces. Thirteen aces is incredible. Thirteen and, aces is a huge number, enormous right, com- number, compared to what is it? Seven on on Perugia, Perugia side now, like or Trentino side, like, and and it's it even is even more than that because if you look at, uh, okay, no, never mind, scratch what I was about to say. Um, but still, thirteen aces compared to seven is massive, and like, I don't know. The way that Piacenza played in this one, and specifically what Aaron Russell is bringing to the table, and like, like, let's let's be real, 
no one has any film on Aaron Russell right now. No one knows what he's going to do. That's a pretty right? good point. And so, like, do you not think that Trentino is not shitting themselves because they didn't play <laughs> terribly, right? They they weren't awful in this one, but Piacenza was just rolling. And I mean, like, this is a team that on paper should be really good, right? And the fact that you still have Tibo Masal to come off the bench, right? Like, there's 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 like Lagumja could be could be way better. Yeah, he didn't play well, <laughs> and and I got to give credit to Bernardi here in. Uh, well, he finally, finally, he finally started Aaron Russell. That was good. But then he he left left the leash at a reasonable length for Lagumja when he wasn't playing well. Now, my only question is, does he roll with Aaron Russell again this weekend? Because if he doesn't, he I'm, has to. Okay, you have to. There's he no doesn't, way he's going to let him fl- drop 33 I'm, points. I might fly to Italy and commit assault if he leaves Aaron Russell on the bench to start the next match. I swear. And I mean, especially for this Piacenza team that's bringing in some big ticket items for next season, like most notably Robert Landy Simone, right? Like it's a pretty big ticket one. <laughs> if, if they if they have a good run, because like think about it, if they can win this round, what's happening? Like like Lube is 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 Lube this season, right? They they've had their ups and downs, right? Are they gonna be able to keep like to keep up with like an upstart Aaron Russell and Addison Gunja or Tonchek Stern, like like whoever it may be, like this is a team that could be dangerous and they can sneak themselves into like a Champions League spot for next season. That would be incredible. That would just be right? incredible. Like, uh, you, and, and you're like, not wrong about any of that. All of that is completely possible because on the Trentino side, the one piece that they've been really missing significantly, and this includes the Champions League match that they were able to beat Perugia in, is that third wing. Uh, Daniele Lavia, 8 for 22, 4 errors. He is not 100%. And he, I can't overstate how important he is because without him like Pinali is a total non-factor attacking he's a good blocker and okay server but you just can't rely on him offensively for anything so without that one more piece Trentino really has a significant weakness and now so Micheletto's attacking numbers were slightly less good than usual 12 for 34 he did have four aces which is insane uh Kaziski was outstanding uh 21 for 38 and one of his only errors was on match point there getting blocked uh, the middles are both good. Uh, Pedraskin in 10 for 11 is is ridiculous. Uh, Lisa Notch 10 for 15, very good with four blocks and an ace. So, like, it, the, Trentino, the only thing they need is for either Lavia or Pernali to have a match where they can contribute. But I'm not convinced that that's going to happen, especially because they have to play Perugia in Champions League tomorrow. Tomorrow is Thursday. Yeah. And then turn around and on any Sunday uh, play play Piacenza again to stay alive in the Italian playoffs. Now, both those matches are at home for Trentino, so that definitely helps their cause. But that is a serious challenge, and I certainly wouldn't pick them to beat Perugia tomorrow. And I think it's kind of a toss-up right now against Piacenza in that last match, and that's going to be amazing. No, it kind of feels like Trentino emptied the tank last week against Perugia in Champions League. It does feel that way. And that they're gonna, you know, like that, that like this is gonna be a tired Trentino team comes uh, comes when is it Sunday, Saturday, Sunday when they when they play this match because Sunday. like that's gonna be like t- t- like four four games in in two weeks. And I mean, by North American sports standards, that's nothing, right? Like that could be a week for 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 one of our teams, right? You play a back to back and 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 whatever, but still, like that's gonna be a lot of. Like a lot of jumps and a lot of swings on these guys, and like, 
you know, Piacenza is at home. They're training. They're resting up. It's it's not going to look good for Trentino in these next two matches. Like I, I think, I think we might have seen the last bit of magic from them that we've seen this season. Yeah, that's very possible. And I mean, everybody loves the Cinderella story. I, and I've loved watching this Trentino team this year. But the way Piacenza played the other day, the fact that they could just come out of the clouds and perhaps grab a Champions League spot for next year, that would really just kind of shake up all of European volleyball and all of Italian volleyball. And I'm kind of here for it. I think that would that would be quite the storyline, especially as you and Dan talked about the imminent uh, funding decreases of Lube Chiva de Nova. They're probably not going to be the, the powerhouse that they've been. Could Piacenza catch lightning in a bottle for two weeks and accelerate their p- potential ascendancy to the top of Italy? That would be just amazing. So uh, there's a lot to look it, forward to this week about all that. Is and that Piacenza is, the Team Canada of, from soccer that, you know, in, in, in volleyball, like getting in to the to the, the promised land before you're you're, you're scheduled uh, congratulations to canada along with the usa for uh getting to the world cup in soccer i do not care about that in any way whatsoever i think soccer is a stupid game but i'm proud of our countries uh moving right along speaking of perugia versus trentino we have not had a show since this match took place last week you and dan or yeah you and dan did a good job talking about it on the podcast but i wanted to go over this really quickly because this was by far my favorite match that i've ever commentated personally and it was one of the most fun matches of the season and one of the most fun matches I've ever seen. Uh, Trentino, Trentino in sets one and three just just escaped. They were, they were so clutch late. They uh, Marco Pedrashen and roofed Matt Anderson to win that first set. Uh, I think they had a stuff block to win the third set as well. And then in the most pivotal of moments when it would have changed everything if Trentino had been able to win the match in four because of how it's set up for, uh, for the match tomorrow... Wilfredo Leon, who, as you guys talked about, was not having his best match, ripped three aces in a row that almost made me like I almost blew out this microphone from screaming so hard into it when when he went on that service run. And then he ripped an ace at 30, 28 to win the set. Of course he did. He's Wilfredo freaking Leon that he went that pushed it to five. And even though Trentino won the match in five, that really kind of saved the day for Perugia. That match was just amazing it was amazing and the return leg tomorrow in trento is going to be nuts i don't think so i don't really you're that high on perugia no it's not that i'm that high on perugia i think trento emptied the tank i think that this is a team that's battered and bruised like lavia is not getting any better right now Penali isn't getting any better and he's we don't even know if he's injured but he's just been kind of bad Right, like he 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 hasn't he hasn't been good. So well, Penali's just not that not that high of a ceiling of a player. I, I'm just curious to see if if Lavia can play start the whole match because like he started the whole match against Piacenza on Sunday, but this one in Champions League he didn't start at all. He came in off the bench a couple times yeah. and that was it. So, but like you're you're telling me that he's gonna gonna have gotten that much better since when was it Saturday? Like four or five days four or five days later. Like I don't know. Like I I just could see this like. Like Perugia is going to go into to beast mode, right? Leon's probably going to score like Leon's going to score twenty five plus, and it, it like Perugia is going to do everything they can to, to 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 move on, and they're going to silence that that Trentino crowd big time. Like I like I think I think I think Trentino used up all of their magic to beat Perugia last weekend. I think they may have, and yeah, if if they if they get Wilfredo Leon playing 
any better at all than he did last week. They're definitely dead. Leon's stat line, uh, 29 points, 20 for 49. Um, oh, my goodness, 20 for 49? Uh, 20 for 49 with five errors, and he definitely woke up late. At the, the beginning of the match, he wasn't as good. Four aces no. and five stuff blocks. He had five yeah. stuff blocks. That's insane. Um, yeah. And you guys were right to criticize the play of Matt Anderson on the show the other day. Because he and Rick Liskey, by the way, I think was Perugia's best player in that match. He was he awesome. Was. Can, 22, can, can for, we, 22 for 33 with two errors. That's like 65% efficiency. It's amazing. He was, he was fantastic. And I mean, he's I've been on the trippy train for, for a long time. And I, like, I, we've talked about this, but can we address your comment of Matt Anderson, who's both of top five players, both the opposite? And the left side position because that's a pop. There's no way that, especially like you were getting you were getting some flack on the Discord uh, after that. One. Literally in the especially. middle of commentating a game, yeah. The- <laughs> because you you jinxed and like Matt Anderson started that match good, right? Like he started the match real strong, and then you said that, and he just started tanking. You jinxed him. So here, here are my thoughts on Matt Anderson. First of all, once upon a time, there there was a time in the not-so-distant yes. past that he was a top-five player in the world at both positions. My The only complaint I've ever had about him as one of my favorite players of all time is that he uh, does not play aggressively enough. He, uh, especially when he plays the outside hitter position, he all he tries to do is hit the ball high off the fingertips. He, he hits deep cross court and he hits high flat down the line he is six foot ten and you at once upon a time touched probably 12 four ish if not even a little bit higher he's one of the great athletes in his when he was in his prime in the volleyball world he was so measurably athletic and so skilled and he never used that frame and those natural athletic gifts to actually ever hit the ball into the court ever he just he's always been so so like locked into a mindset of being smart and conservative. And he's just too conservative for my taste, especially in this role. He's really, he's embraced the L2 role. Like, like he's very much the, the third of the three wing scorers on Perugia. But there are times, Matt Anderson, when I'm like, man, you're better than this. I know that you can hit these shots. You can hit four to four. You can turn and crank the ball down the line. You can see a seam and exploit it and hit the ball to the floor instead of hitting high fingertips and deep cross court. Those have been his only shots on the left side for the last five years of his club career. And that bothers me a little bit because as good of a server as he is, he's at, he actually played good position six defense. The, the, the same, this too conservative idea for Anderson also applies as a blocker. He does this stupid, passive, shuffle like barely jump move when he blocks on both wings and he is and he is not as good not nearly good enough of a blocker for the frame and the skill that he has he makes this really passive and conservative simple shuffle jump move he does not swing block and he should he is not aggressive enough of a blocker he is not a factor in that area he made one just horrible block move that i remember against against Micheletto on when he was on the right side in row 1 this match that i'm like how do you not know the ball's well, going I, to? I, I, you remember I, do, this one? I do remember that one. Yeah, I yeah. do remember that one. one. Even call, you, even, you even made a comment. On I did. That. I said it in real time. You, so you were, it's yeah. the, 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 only, the thing for Anderson is not his, his capability. It's his mindset of being too conservative for me. That's been 
the way it's been the last couple of years. And I've, I would like to see him. Uh, I, I, it's not, it's probably too late in his career for him, for him to shift that. But, uh, oh, absolutely. Like, like, let's, let's be honest. We're probably seeing the downward. Like, like, I, we're probably going to see, I, I expect to see a little uptick at some point in the next year or two, but we're probably seeing like the downward decline of, of Matt Anderson. And right. He's um, he, again, one of my favorite players of all time. I absolutely love Anderson. I've always loved watching him play. He's been truly a do it all player. And, but it's probably not a top five uh, outside or opposite in the world anymore. Once upon a time no. he was. And... Once upon a time. Yes. But definitely not anymore. My question is, do we see Matt Anderson at the end of it all pull a Taylor Sander and go to the beach? I don't think so. Uh, like I think he would be. Per- I think he would be nasty. Oh, he, he would. He would be disgusting. He would be yeah, nasty on the beach. He has the ball control. He has the shots. He has the size. Like just be a blocker. Get a fast guy behind you. Like Taylor Krabs says, buys Taylor Sander. I'm gonna go play with with Matt Anderson. If anything, I, I think yeah. I think what Anderson would pair with either of the two Taylors better than each other would. I don't, I don't see it. Anderson does not have a beach background. I mean, he's from Buffalo, New York, for God's sakes. Like, d- certainly did not grow up in a beach volleyball community. And I don't I think he, Ontario. Eh, I mean, for what, fifteen days out of the year, maybe get real. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Toronto, which is more north of that, has more beach volleyball courts than anywhere but Coco Cabana in the world. So, like pay us some respect yeah, I, I hope i hope you really take advantage of those in your 15 days out of the year where that's people reasonable. are out there right now it was like it was like 10 degrees out there people anyway people out there. i don't i don't see anderson switching to the beach i see anderson twilighting a little bit in the vla at the end of his career he's uh we've, we've seen, heard some rumors around him and team lvc once he gets back stateside for good so that would be dope but uh i i don't i don't see him switching to the beach personally i i do expect him to play a little bit better in the return leg of champions league tomorrow which once again i'll be on the mic for so i'm excited to call that game tomorrow in trento i think that's 2 30 p.m eastern on thursday the 7th uh we'll have the european volleyball show before but uh also going on tomorrow is the return leg of this and there's not nearly as much to talk about here because of how completely and utterly zaxa destroyed Yashchevsky last week they destroyed them it's not like I, I mean, you guys were so high on on JW. Nope, when I picked our... Zaxa. That is Dan. I picked Zaxa. Okay, you're right. You're right. Skates, but you were like, like Dan was high on JW. People in the comments were high on JW. People in the Discord were high on JW, and I was like, guys, it's Zaxa. Like, it's 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 it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, yes, you did pick Zaxa, but I you weren't as emphatic towards Zaxa as as I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like it. It's. I think Zaxis is turning it on, and I think JW is like if they get Yuri Glider back, that may be a different story. If we see that crazy <sighs> Ukrainian coming in, I think he just he just brings an energy. Oh, there's I agree. And I, there's I something love about Yuri. like like the looks that he gave. Like last year when we watched him in the finals, man, he turned it on. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah. But I just don't see JW, JW. Like, I don't think we, Dan and I already talked about it. I don't think we, I don't yeah, think you guys already talked about it. Yeah, like, like just to reiterate a couple of the things that you guys said, uh, Zoxa over 50% efficiency as a team. Yeah. Good night. Crazy. That's it. Uh, also, Zoxa beat JW again in the Plus Liga, I think, on Saturday. 
yeah. I, I think I'm pretty sure JW played their bench, but that was another sweep. So uh, they're going to play three times in eight days. And I think Zoxa tomorrow at home is a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. I really think they've silenced a lot of the, the, the doubters or the, People that were on the JW bandwagon for a second there, I think they've put that to bed largely. The only way JW has a chance is if um, I think they I think they've got to start Boyer, and I think if if Glotter plays, they they might get lucky, and Clevino uh, is going to have to play significantly better. And I that, that's just I, I don't think the stars are going to align for them. I think it's Zoxa versus Perugia in the finals. No, yeah, I think we've already spent too much time talking on it to be honest. Because... <laughs> The defending champs are going to be going to the semis. Yep, I agree. So uh, the matchups tomorrow, I think Zaxa is 2 p.m. Eastern. Trentino and Perugia are 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, tomorrow, that's on, on Eurovolley TV and on YouTube if you pay the CV 5 bucks to become a member, which is actually a better deal than Eurovolley TV. So uh, I personally recommend that one. And we'll be going live for the European Volleyball Show tomorrow at 1.30 Eastern. Just to go over all this stuff just a little bit more. So uh, moving on with a couple things, just hopping elsewhere around Europe uh, before we get to some national team sort of news. Uh, the Bundesliga uh, is well into their playoffs. Uh, there, the, there were two semifinal matches actually today. Uh, Friedrichshafen beat Duren in five in what was a really good match, and they ended up sweeping that best of five series to go to the finals. Uh, Berlin dropped a surprising five-setter to Frankfurt last week, but they responded by sweeping them today, so they lead 2-1 in that other semifinal. I don't really have that much to take from this. I was a little surprised that Berlin dropped the match, but I think it's going to be Berlin versus Friedrichshafen in the finals like we kind of expected. Like we've all kind of expected, like we've always seen. You know, The standard the, annual matchup. <laughs> the, the standard annual matchup. And I mean, Friedrichshafen did manage to uh, take that semifinal in the German Cup against Berlin. But other than that, it's been Berlin domination throughout this whole season. I mean, I, I'm also surprised they took a, a lost a set to Frankfurt there. I haven't had a chance to check out the box score or anything like that, so I don't have really much insight on it. It was in um, five. They uh, Frankfurt was up 2-0. Berlin came back and forced the fifth, then lost in the fifth 15-9. And I, I, I don't know what lineup they played. I didn't see any of the match. But uh, uh, so some of the guys in the Discord were saying that Frankfurt just really caught fire that day. So uh, credit to them, yeah. but... There's there's a there's a Swiss kid who used to play uh, in, here in Canada. He played for Brandon University, who's re, who's really good for them. What's his name? Damn it! Why for why Frankfurt? I, I don't yeah. know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I don't know much about their team, but yeah, yeah. The the anyway, Bundesliga playoffs. I just wanted to give that a little shout out. I don't have that many takes on that, except that I still pick Berlin to win it all, and I'm assuming when, you do too. When when's that last game uh, for? Where is that next game for Berlin and, and Frankfurt? I'm guessing it's gonna be Saturday. It's probably this weekend because the last match was today. Uh, yeah, Saturday, you're correct. Cool. Well, check that one out. Once again, if you guys haven't checked out the broadcast yet for the oh, Bundesliga yeah. over, over on class. Twitch, that, that bounce house is going on. Literally, it's hands down the best broadcast in, in volleyball. So you guys by far. Make, they're they're make doing by such far a good job. So modern, so fun, so engaging. I, it, it makes me wish I spoke German fluently so I could really get engaged with it. It's awesome. So yeah. credit to those guys. Um, speaking of... Playoffs almost being set. This is the look at currently the Plus Liga. Uh, every team is done in the regular season except Zaxa, JW, and Gdansk. Uh, they have some makeup matches to play. Uh, Gdansk uh, had a COVID outbreak that happened to uh, postpone their matches against both Zaxa and JW. So they'll ma make up matches against both Zaxa and JW in the next week or so. Everything else is set. So um, top eight make the playoffs in Poland. Then uh, when they'll they'll draw the quarterfinals just like Italy. Then when the the quarterfinal losers 
those five teams join places nine through 12 and the eight of them then play a little little placement thing. But uh, Gdansk is not technically dead yet to make the playoffs, but they're going to have to beat one or maybe both of Zaksa and JW. And I'm not sure I see that happening. That would knock either uh, Vrishava or Katowice out. But uh, Olsten, Zhezhov, Zavierce, Skra, and then, of course, Zaksa and JW have clinched playoff spots. Uh, Stalnisa definitely relegated. Uh, Radom definitely done for the season in 13th, but at least they survive in the league. So uh, just wanted to point out the fact that the Plus Liga is pretty much done, except for a couple late makeup games, and their playoffs will start shortly thereafter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a one-horse show, I think, in the Plus Liga this year. I don't think JW is going to come in, sneak in like they did against Zaxa, but maybe they will. Like last year, they surprised us, surprised us all. For yeah. me, it's looking at at, at, at Varsavad and sitting in eighth. I mean, that was a Champions League team and a team that we had so much promise for. They really um, underperformed. They really, 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 under, really, really underperformed. And uh, I mean, probably because you didn't free play Jankino, Blank, Jay Blankino and you kept him <laughs> on the bench uh, behind Angel to Trinidad. But uh, hey, you know what? They're going to be going in, into the playoffs. They're going to have to take on Zaxa in the first round. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be good. We'll have Jay back in Canada a little bit earlier. Right. The interesting part about this, I think, will be who gets that third Champions League spot from the Plus Liga. And uh, that, that's that's going to be, I think, the interesting battle in the semis is may, maybe it's Scra. I think they're the third best team in the league by a wide margin, but maybe maybe Rosovia continues to get hot. Maybe, I don't know, Olsten, Xavier, who knows? Uh, but that, that's that's important to note that it's not not only uh, the Plus Liga that's on the line that I think Zox is the prohibitive favorite for, but there will be three teams from Poland in Champions League, just like there are every year. And that third spot is definitely on the line, assuming that JW does enough to grab the second one. So uh, that's about it for that. Uh, last last thing before we get to some major international news is it is a massive, massive weekend for the Volleyball League of America. Uh, the, the VLA will be in two different places at once. The first will be just across the border from Everett in Toronto. We will be in western New York in suburban Buffalo. Uh, I will be there for the East Division Cup, an eight-team tournament, uh, two, two pools of four, pretty straight-up format. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this because I love the facility there at Niagara Frontier. Uh, but the nice part about it is that uh, SoCal Ruckus, who's won each of the last three VLA Cups, cup series tournaments will not be there so it's a wide open door for anybody to come in and grab a tournament win uh, lvc i would say is the favorite but boston bounce is going to be good uh chicago swede and river city flow out of tier two are going to be good so uh, that's going to be a great tournament going on all weekend in buffalo and then at the exact same time the vla will also be be in louisville kentucky at the jva world challenge a uh, jva junior volleyball association they govern a lot of uh, gigantic juniors tournaments this one is the biggest probably the biggest juniors tournament other than nationals that there is so just thousands and thousands and thousands of spectators and it'll be just a central division regular season event so chicago Iceman, indiana team pineapple and then the milwaukee dive playing up from tier two or just a double round robin there so those matches will not be streamed on the internet but we're going to record them and then do little watch parties for them after the fact which would be cool but all the matches for Buffalo will be streamed on the VLA YouTube channel. So check all that out. Check the last couple episodes of Around the VLA out for more about these two events. But uh, the VLA is going to have a huge growth spike this weekend, having an impact in two places at once. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I personally will be in Buffalo, but I've set the the Central Division guys have 
have got everything they need to run a great event down there. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm sad our Toronto team pulled out. A bunch of stooges, if you ask me. Um, Sook, get your boys in line. Yeah, they uh, had issues with their roster and crossing the border, but uh, they'll yeah, they'll, be the, just, they'll be at the they'll be at the big VLA Cup in Indiana in May. Yeah, ho- ho- hopefully they will and and redeem themselves a, a, a little bit. But yeah, it should be fun. Um, but yeah, move, moving on. And I mean, we we, we I thought I, I thought we were gonna start the show with this, but um, some big news out of the FIVB regarding the Olympic qualification process. Um, and I think it's, it's, do you want to, do you want to break it down or? Yeah. So I'll break it down and my, I apologize for not having a visual for this, but I'll describe it to you guys the best I can. So the, the, the process by which you qualify for the Olympics has been pretty much the same over the last 20 years or so. Uh, Tokyo is a little bit weirder because they used to use the world cup as a qualifier, but the world cup was in Japan and you couldn't have Japan in a, in a, you know, a team that was already qualified in an Olympic qualifier. So they made it a little bit different with the uh, the Olympic qualification tournaments that they ran. Turns out now with a, a pretty significant shift in how Olympic qualification is going to work, it's a little bit more like what we saw this last time. So still 12 teams in, in the field for both the men's and the women's side in the Olympics. For indoor volleyball, beach volleyball is completely different. Uh, so you still get in as the host, obviously. So France will be in for Paris, men's and women's. Then you will have three Olympic qualification tournaments for each gender. Three for the men, three for the women. These will be in September, like late September and early October of 2023. That's three tournaments each, three pools of eight, which is a little bit weird. I don't love three pools of eight. The- it's, it's classic volleyball. <sighs> Like, hey, we're gonna make you play a million games it's a in full, a short period of time. Let, 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 I'll, like, let, me, let me continue, and then we can get to our complaints because there are plenty of them. So, three Olympic qualification tournaments per gender, three pools of eight. They'll uh, they'll seed them like a snake. So they'll they'll seed the three hosts, and then they'll go strictly by world rankings one through twenty four. After that, so the the twenty four top ranked teams in the world as of September twenty twenty three. We'll get to play those Olympic qualification tournaments. Three pools of eight. Each pool will play a full round robin. So each team will play the other seven teams once, and that's it. And the top two teams in each of those three pools of eight, which is six teams total, get Olympic berths. So that make those six plus the hosts, that makes seven teams. After that, it just goes straight down the line of world rankings. As of uh, after the preliminary phase of VNL 2024, so that's mid-June of 2024, the FIVB will just take a snapshot of what the world rankings are at that point, and they will go, all right, next five teams up in the rankings that haven't already qualified, congratulations, you're in the Olympics. Nice. The exception to that is uh, there, there will be exact at least one team per continent, so they'll Africa is the only one that is the is the most likely to not have a team qualify in any of the other ways by either winning one of the top two in one of the tournaments or being high enough in the world rankings. But there will be at least one African team for both the men's and the women's. So they'll probably get just like a, a, a free bid. Basically, whoever the top team ranking is, is in Africa, 
uh, in June of 2024. It will go to the Olympics. But then there will be four others that will go to just the top four ranked teams in the world elsewhere at that time. Uh, I, I hope that makes a lot of sense. This That part of it I like. I don't like that that last chance desperation tournament they used to have that got Mexico into the Olympics in 2012. That was a yeah. massive waste. Or 2016, 2016. sorry. That was a yeah. massive waste. Uh, this you won't get a Venezuela tier team out of this like like we did last last Olympics where Argentina and Brazil qualified internationally. There was a South America only event, so they took like the distant distant third best team in South America. Mm-hmm. We don't have that problem. I think this this puts a lot less pressure on teams in Europe because they previously had the most difficult road to qualify. Now it's just the best teams in the world. I think this in general does a better job of selecting the best twelve teams in the world. However, I, I do the, too. The format of that Olympic qualification tournament, where the teams will play seven matches in nine days, ridiculous, is absurd. It's classic, it's classic volleyball. It's, it's classic volleyball being like. You love volleyball so much, we're gonna shove it down your throat, and you're gonna like it. Like it's just, it's too much. And it, it's, it's that's really, it's just really what it is. It's like Nations League. Like, like it's crazy. We're gonna have six days of matches in Nations League at the beginning of June. Like, I feel bad for Volleyball Canada for having to sell matches for t- like, like, like tickets for, tickets for six days. Like for six days like that. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be brutal. It's gonna be the same for this as well. Like. Having less matches promotes more meaningful matches. The fact that we have these massive wide open tournaments, it's just like, when do matches, like, there's so many quote-unquote meaningful matches in volleyball that they, none of them matter for anything, right? Until we're at the Great Olympics. Point. Like, They're it, oversaturating. It's just, it's just over an oversaturated market because you're going to tell me that that's that year, right? We're going we're gonna to have a world championship. And we're going to have, in, in 2022, we're having VNL and a world championship. And then in 2023, we're going to have VNL and a continental championship. And then these qualifiers, like it's just going to be, it's just going to be too much. It's, it's too it's, much. It's, it's, it's going to be too much. But I also agree. I do like the, the change up. Like we're not going to get any random teams anymore. We're, we're going to be promoting the, the best teams. Like how many teams have, how many teams, how many times have we seen teams like Serbia or like whoever it may be, like one of yeah, those, those outskirts. Yeah. Those outskirt. And even at that, the same time, like looking at it from an Ortica point of view, like if, not if, but when Cuba figures their shit out and they become a powerhouse like they were again, I know Ronnie is going to be happy to hear that. Um, like the Norseca is going to be dangerous, right? That's going to be a three-headed beast that like, I don't know who you can give who you can give like the best team to, right? So well, there won't those teams- there there won't be like a, a tournament like the one where Canada qualified for Tokyo, yeah. where, where you had to beat Cuba in the final of that tournament. There won't, there won't be, be a that. tournament like that. That does not exist. It's straight world ranking points, and I think actually that hurts Cuba because they're not quite at the world ranking threshold where they're playing a lot of events. I think they're going to have to have a huge huge performance at World Championships to give themselves it's- a chance to get into that top twenty four next year. It's truly a rich get richer scenario. Right it is, now, right? And that, that, that's exactly what exactly what it is. If you're not playing VNL, you're screwed. You're screwed. Uh, yeah, unless you can do just some incredible things, like really overperform at World Championships. The top twenty-four in the world are not going to change that much between now and September of next year, because the only tournaments that are happening until then are VNL World Championships, then mm-hmm. VNL again. And there are so many teams that that probably deserve to be in that conversation, like a Cuba, for example, that aren't going to get the opportunity to move up high enough in that time with only those tournaments happening. 
Uh, now, I, I, I do like I do like the fact that the FIVB is at least incentivizing now better performance at VNL because VNL we, we've we've talked about it a lot that 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 generally is a useless and purposeless tournament. Now I, it is it think, less so. It is it is more important now than it was. That's not debatable. But I think that's the. But I, I I agree it's not debatable. But I think that's to the detriment of volleyball, right? Because right now, like like what the like it's less than three weeks from Champions League finals to um to uh, the start of Nations League, and the start of Nations League now has a direct impact on whether or not you're going to go. To, you're going to be able to go to the Olympics. So teams can't teams can't rest our, their best players. Right, we're once again heading down towards a path where we're going to burn burn our athletes out. I we're think really running them into the ground. Right? Like, we're, we're, we're really running them into the ground. Plus, on top of that, when you consider the fact that Korea, who's not a top team on the men's side, is part of VNL as not a challenger team but a like top team because they pay enough money, we can't ignore the fact that the VNL isn't necessarily created off of merit like yeah no, sure they have they, they they have that uh, they, they have that ability with you know the, the the challenger cup and all of that thing and you can get relegated and whatnot but only certain teams can get relegated right canada could conceivably finish not in last place but because they're one of the challenger teams if they're the lowest ranked challenger team they're going to get relegated right so <clears throat> i have i have some issues with it in in, in that way that we it's it's literally like a rich get richer richer scenario and yeah gonna, like like thank god like a team like slovenia is in but like what what good european teams are on the outside in like like turkey sorry turkey there goes yep. there goes your your dream to go to uh to the olympics and like hey all your best teams are going to ride your players yeah yeah it's 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 in general not good for volleyball but it is slightly better for the vnl tournament for what it's worth i guess i don't care about that very much i will always watch vnl because i love international volleyball what mm-hmm. what, what i fell in love with early on in the game is the national team that's what i want to watch now I, the, the format of vnl needs to change for sure it's just not a well-structured tournament including the the challenge the whole challenger layer crap that ever just talked about uh, but I like that at least that they're taking a step to making it matter a little bit more, and then hopefully they take a step to reformatting it to be more reasonable. Uh, the format this year is just not very good. We talked about it a lot, and we'll we'll preview it more as uh, as national team season gets closer. But that's a pretty good summary of at least now how you qualify for the Olympics. It's significantly more based on world ranking and much less based on continent, which in general I think is a good thing. But they've Agreed. still, they've. I think they've got to award like continental championships, for example, like not not continental Olympic qualifiers because those don't exist anymore. But continental championships, like a Euro volley, like Norseka's, like um, Africa, Asia, South America. Those national team tournaments should matter more for world rankings. Norseka, yeah. in, Norseka in particular, because I am sick and tired of watching every Norseka team send their C teams to those events. If, if those mattered more for world rankings, you, you would see much better volleyball and uh, Norseka in particular, where Everett and I both live, uh, that that Norseka Federation is just embarrassing. But if, if, if those I if could the, tell you stories, well, I'm sure you could. But if, if those if those tournaments mattered at least more for world ranking points, teams would take them more seriously and that would be better for everyone. But, and also remember, too, that. And now with the change of the world ranking system, it's not just based off of tournament results. Literally, your world ranking changes per match. Every not match. Not necessarily That's changes, right. but your score, like your 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 score changes 
based off of like the opponent that you played and there's there's so many variables now so it, it just puts that much it's it's such like it's such a volleyball move let's make every single match as important as possible and we're going to give you a million of them so no match is important <laughs> no match is meaningful every match is meaningful so none of them are meaningful yep well said that's, there's that's, so that's, much that's volleyball in a nutshell. such a fun, fundamentally bad way to do it but uh those are the changes and that's the way it is. So that, that that's kind of the that Olympic qualification process will be the overarching storyline of the next two years, uh, definitely the next year and a half, because those those tournaments will take place next fall, fall of 2023. But then the the rankings as of June 2024 will decide the remaining five Olympic teams. So like, uh, that, that, that's less, really going to dominate these next two summers. Less than nine, like less than 10 months after the last Olympics have ended. We're already starting the next qualification cycle, and that's and fine. Mean, that's fine because this is a three-year a three-year quad instead of four. This is not a normal yeah. quad. That's okay. That's okay. But it's, it's it's we're only going to see negative results on our athletes because of it. All right. So speaking of VNL, a couple updates on VNL. Uh, just to wrap the show up, uh, we we've been wondering because of the the forfeits of of the Russian teams in the tournaments and the fact that they're pulling the events out of Russia hosting. Um, we've needed one host country slash city on the men's and the women's side and one team on the men's and the women's side to participate in VNL this year. And it seems like all of that has been settled. So on the women's side, uh, exactly like we predicted on this show, the Bulgarian women's national team will step in and play in this summer's Volleyball Nations League. Also, the city of Sofia, Bulgaria, will host the Women's Volleyball Nations League. I think they'll do that exactly a week after hosting the men's VNL, which is great. So it sets up for them very nicely in a great, great, great volleyball country. So I think that's a good move. Uh, we talked a while ago about Tunisia taking the, the last spot as the team participating in men's VNL, which will basically cement them as the African team in the Olympics for the foreseeable future. And uh, Gdansk, Poland will be hosting the, the other leg of men's VNL instead of whatever Russian city it was. So... Uh, it's it's good to have another city in in Europe host VNL. There wasn't nearly enough uh, going on before, so that basically settles things for uh, VNL in terms of the 16 team field and all the six host cities. We still don't know where the finals are going to be hosted for either gender, but at least we can get a, a a full schedule out for the preliminary rounds now. Yeah, and like thank God, um, it's about time. Like the, the FIVB, I wish I wish they would have been like swifter with this, you know, just come out with the decision decision right away. But I mean, hey, nothing happens quick in, in volleyball land. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I like like you said, I also agree. As much as I find VNL useless, I'm excited for it to happen. Yeah, me too. Especially uh, since we get to, we get to kick things off in Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa is going to be unbelievable. So that 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 second week of June there, if you're if it's if you're at all capable of being in Ottawa for that, you're going to want to be there for a lot of reasons that will be announced in the near future. So, ever before we end the show, please tell the, the lovely people about BetUS. Well, if you guys like sports, you might like betting on sports. Um, it's too bad you just missed Mar March Madness. Uh, congratulations to Kansas for taking it home. But The Kansas City Jayhawks. Kansas City Jayhawks. Literally the president of the NCAA rewarded them the trophy literally, and called them the Kansas like, City Jayhawks. Unbelievable. <laughs> Who's a, who's a bigger stooge, Mark Emmert of Mark the NCAA, <laughs> uh, or uh, Rob Manfred of the MLB? 
Like, uh, that is a hot race. I would give it to Manfred by a narrow margin. Both Stooges. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, anyway. But, but yeah, um, Bet US is America's favorite sports book. It's been around since 1994. They are the true OGs, and they give, we're going to give you a deal that basically no one can compare. When you use the code Volley125, when depositing $100 or more and on, in Bet US, you will get 125% deposit bonus so you put in a hundred dollars you're going to come out with 225 it's literally free money guys plus you're going to bet on stuff you're going to win you're going to hit big and you're going to make more money uh who knows maybe you'll be able to uh pay for our trip to vnl um <laughs> and you can come buy us all beers uh but yeah make sure you check it out the link to that is down in the uh, notes below uh on this youtube link click that Use the code volley one two five for one hundred twenty five percent deposit bonus upon uh, sign up. Yep, definitely, definitely use that code volley one two five. Another very notable betting event this weekend is the Masters. If you're a golf, Ooh, if you're, you're golf, if you're a golf fan like I am, you're very excited about that. Uh, but in addition to the Masters, which I, I've I've heard rumblings that there is a certain uh, certain large cat that will be participating in the field this year, uh, the return of Tiger Woods. Which is insane. There's also uh, an unbelievable amount of volleyball going on. So there's Champions League men's tomorrow, uh, Thursday, both legs. We will know our finalists by this time tomorrow. Uh, there's the Piacenza Trentino tiebreaker uh, this weekend, I believe, Saturday or Sunday, Sunday, uh, Sunday, which is going to be amazing. And then uh, a lot of other leagues going on with playoffs, and it's just a packed, packed season. So join the Discord. The link is in the description below. Uh, for the best community on the planet of people to just meme and make fun of volleyball and watch volleyball about. We were popping off on that uh, at Vodka Bank Golden set today. We were super active, so that was really fun. I'm sad I missed that. It was really, really fun. So, yeah, definitely join the Discord. It is It will transform your volleyball watching life. And we'll be back next week, uh, probably Tuesday, back to our normal time uh, for next week on the 9 by 9 Yes, definitely back to our, our normal time um, next week. Uh, we'll we'll have things under under control by next week, hopefully, with all the uh, te- technical difficulties. Hopefully, we we go back to a three man show next week as well. We'll have uh, Mr. Damon Healy from Five One Volleyball join us. Well, thanks for watching, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for uh, surviving our little late start and Everett's uh, technical difficulties, but I think that was a very very good show nonetheless. Thanks for watching. Uh, follow all the things we told you to follow, and we will see you next week. Peace, guys.